Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of House of the Unusual, the one, the only, Eddie Guevara. Eddie, what's up, brother? What's up, brother? How's everything, man? Another fantastic week that's coming to a close, and another fantastic week with a lot of stuff we need to talk about. Absolutely. So we'll we'll get to some uh, some little announcements real quick here. Uh, everybody out there in podcast land, check out houseoftheunusual.com. We have a uh, a free forum there that you could sign up for, a mailing list, uh, a bunch of other cool stuff, links to the eBay store, to the podcast description. Uh, so it's a really cool site, a lot of cool videos and articles to read. Also, check out a friend of ours over at stupidcomicsmagazine.com, and that's stupid spelled S-T-O-O-P-I-D. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Ski puts out these great magazines called Stupid, and they are like a mixture of Mad Magazine, Cracked, and Farside all bundled into one. So they're they're really cool. Uh, he has issues 0, 1, 2, yeah. now with issue number 4 uh, hitting the, the website very soon. Uh, also, go over to uh, c-monkeys.com. There is all your sea monkey needs there. Uh, our buddy Todd Machen, King of the Sea Monkeys, is always putting out some super cool products that you could start your sea monkey collection or, you know, build it up bigger and better. And also, Scary Monsters number 122 is on the shelves now. I have a great article about uh, two episodes of the Three Stooges in there where they try to uh, turn back the clock on people and make them younger, but things don't always go as they're planned, especially with the Stooges. So, Head over to mymoviemonsters.com and you can order your copy of Scary Monsters 122, any back issues. And Scary Monsters is also at your local bookstore, Barnes & Nobles, or whatever else you have in, in your location. Uh, as for that, today we are going to be talking about comic books. Um, and... The reason I wanted to talk about this subject a little bit is because I was with a a buddy today and we were talking about, we were talking some old stories about how we used to buy comic books back in the the 80s and 90s. We were were perusing a local flea market today, hoping to find some books, but sadly there was actually nobody there selling them, which was very odd for it. But we're going to talk a little bit about some old comic books, some, uh, Maybe, you know, some nostalgic trips back in time to when we were collecting as young kids out there. And hopefully this will rile up some memories in in yourselves. And if they do, head over to the website, houseoftheunusual.com, and post your memories there under the – there will be a section under there that says for podcasts, uh, podcast chat, post any of your stories there of any memorable comic uh, purchasing trips you've had, whether it be to a flea market or to uh, an estate sale, a garage sale, a comic shop, you know, what have you. So as for that, uh, Eddie, what's any new announcements for uh, House of the Unusual? Well, oh, yes. Here you go. Hold on. There you go. There you go. I'm getting some feedback here. <laughs> as with anything said, um, the most... Uh, Thing that we're really looking for that's really exciting is going to be, and this is important, on July 29th of this month at 10 p.m., tune in to the live pot, uh, live cast that we're doing with Joe, me, and Chuck Caputo. Chuck is going to introduce the all-new Chuck Caputo Magic Horror Line. It's going to consist of a few uh, tricks. They're actually created by Chuck. They're going to be launched, and he's also going to be showing a couple of magic tricks. Other than that, he's going to have a, a, a close concerning the Unverdi collection he's got, which is one of the largest in the world. And he's going to be telling a little bit about himself. It's Awesome. Now, now, where could everybody find that, that video cast that? They can find it on Instagram. They can find it on Facebook. And it can be found in House of the Unusual as well. 
There's going to be a link there for YouTube as well. So it's going to be casted on all three platforms, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Awesome. And just, you know, if you're going on any one of those platforms, just type in House of the Unusual under the search and we'll pop up and you'll be able to watch that video live. And if you can't watch it live, you know, it'll still be on there where you could watch it in the the future. So if you're going to go on, uh, especially YouTube, you know, subscribe to our channel, like our videos and help us, you know, build up this community a lot more because that's what it's all about is, you know, community and friendship. So now talking about Joe, when we were saying that you want to talk about comic books, um, I I don't know. I, I guess most people do understand that the the comic book world is categorized in four or actually three ages. They call the one is called the golden age of comic book, which, you know, it's kind of disputed when the beginning was, but most agree that it was actually launched in 1938 when Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster uh, introduced Superman to the world. Uh, other than that, then of course we have the silver age of comic books that started in, um, between, I would say, 1956 and 1970. And then the more important age for me would be the Bronze Age. That's the age I grew up in, which was between 1970 and, and probably late 1980. Yeah, around 80s. Yeah, around 85, that's usually when, know, it's, 70, when it was over. Yeah, 70 to 85, and then 85 to present is, you know, typically called the, the modern age, but and and that's where you're you'll be the king on because the modern age of comic books is kind of when I faded off from it. Right. Um, I say the Bronze Age. What now? First of all, the Silver Age is when most you know superheroes and and you know and and again superheroes and a lot of the Archie comics and a lot of the Casper and Rich Rich comics were introduced. But the Bronze Age is when they were really popularized. And I think what one of the things that made it really popular was the fact that they were introduced to the public and they were start, they started getting filled and bombarded with mail order items. Novelties you can get nowhere else but in comic books. Uh, things from the Joy Buzzer to the Whoopi Cushions to the X-Ray Specs, Venus Flytraps. What kid growing up in that time did not want you know, all those items that you cannot get in your local store or supermarket or whatever, you know? Do you think that, that they really helped out each other? Comic books helped out mail order and mail order helped out comic books sale wise. I definitely, I definitely know that. And and the reason I'm saying that is because in the late 1960s, mail order was introduced into the comic books, uh, actually mid 1960s, not say late. We're talking about like 1964, 65, uh, you would have in early 19, in late 1950s, you would have a, some ads, but they were not that popular. You know what I'm saying? Certain comic books would carry them, not a lot of them. As we got closer to the late uh, 50s, they started getting a little bit more and more. In the late 60s, in the early 60s, they were showing a little up more. But then as the closing of the 1960s and early 1970s, there was not one single comic book that you wouldn't get with at least four or five full pages all filled with ads. Uh, mostly the novelty companies, Johnson Smith, which actually launched its first ad in 1938 uh, in the back cover of uh, Superman, uh, was now populating most of the comic books. And then, of course, there was a competitor, Honor House, American Circle, Fun House, uh, later on in the, you know, Funhouse started pretty early. The Fun Factory, which I later got to own, uh, was kind of like in the, you know, mid-1970s, uh, 75, when it started getting popular. And around 1982 to 1984, they all started closing shop. The ones that survived past 1984, of course, were um, the Funhouse, which went on to believe it or not, almost into the mid-90s. And um, the other, you know, famous was Fun Factory closed around, I think, 82. But you had, of course, Johnson Smith continued. Now, they didn't continue advertising in comic books. They, their 
you know, I guess they were uh, doing more business, more like in Boys Life magazine, which was a famous Cub Scout that every Boy Scout magazine, you know, every Boy Scout out there would get a monthly subscription for. But I think that you could really say that in the early 70s, I, I would say between 1971 and 1978, you were really bombarded with ads. There was not one thing that I could say was not listed from, you know, the life-size monsters to, in other words, comic books offered you an opportunity. One, if you read Richie Rich like I did or Casper, not only did you indulge yourself and, and this kind of became like a TV show in your brain because when you were reading a comic, you really, uh, you know, you really went into the comic. You really... uh kind of were transcended into another world and during this time when you then went ahead and saw those ads those ads turned into something that which is the best way to say this um, it became something that wow can I buy that life size monster can I get that actual working laser pistol what about a Venus flytrap? Are they going to eat insects? Now, the funny thing with the Venus flytrap is they call them man-eating plants in some of the ads or meat-eating plant, which was so funny. And I like the, the fact that there is a company, and I actually have one of the original Venus flytraps where it says man-eating plant. And, you know, in your mind, a lot of people uh, watch the, the movie Little Shop of Horrors and they would think that this Venus flytrap was going to grow or even watching the Adams family, you know, you're saying like, wow, man, is this really, can I get a plant that will be actually like that, that would snap on my fingers? When in reality, it was more like a, a tampered down version of what they were telling you. But, you know, the world of mystery, the world of illusions, I think was in the mid 70s. Uh, the world of mystery, because we never knew what we were going to get what we, when we ordered something. Our imagination flourished. Our imagination went beyond what anything today uh, would even be. I mean, because we have video games today and stuff. But back then, we had imagination. And, 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 you know, that made me what I am today, made all the followers that we have in House of the Unusual what they are today. Um, like Dr. Boyajin said in one of the uh, episodes. It was a way to get out from the everyday normal life and experience adventures that were all basically in our imagination. And I think, you know what, that is the most important years of my life. And they are the ones that I treasure the most because I just didn't have to pay bills. I just fled reality and I was able to live a happy childhood life based on comic books and those comic books were what i call the bronze age which are the ones i relate to the most yeah awesome now see i when i came into comic books which was probably around the mid to late 80s um prior to that time i was collecting a lot of sports cards and uh me and my father were collecting any pr pretty much anything you know sports related and i, I remember going to going to, to shows because they used to have small sports card shows all over the place and i remember when they just started getting you know we used to buy sports card packs for 50 cents a, a pack you know a quarter or so and i remember when they got to be a dollar a pack and we're like man these things are getting expensive and then they were you know a dollar 50 2 dollars and they kept going up in price so we kind of switched over to comic books which were starting to become more and more hot so that's when i started buying um some comic books and where i usually went to was the local flea market and that which that kind of brought up some memories today when I, cause I haven't, I haven't been to our local flea market in probably about three or four years, but I went with a buddy today and I was telling him, I said, you know, I used to ride my bike up here back in, it was probably late eighties, early nineties, you know, to check out, it was about a mile away. So I put my backpack on and 
I would head up there, you know, with whatever money I made from cutting grass, usually about 10 or 15 bucks. And I would go and search to see what comic books they had. And there was always a, a guy there around the time when I was buying. He always had these old uh, Hulk and Thor books. And at the time, I really liked the old, you know, late 60s, you know, 70s, early 80s Hulk books. And they were only anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar a book, you know, bagged and boarded. So I would go there and pick up whatever, you know, I was able to afford, throw them in my backpack. I'd hit the the Jay's hot dog stand that was next over there and get, you know, usually it was two hot dogs for a dollar and, you know, something to drink. And then I would bike it back home. And then a little bit farther away that I would go with my parents was another flea market. And there was always a guy in there. He was always at the end of it in the corner and he had just tons of comic books. I mean, there were just tons of them. And I would go there and, and buy some books too. So I was telling my buddy this today. He's a big, you know, collector as well. Excuse me. But we went into the, the flea market and I was looking for comic books and there was nothing. There was nothing there. I think one person had two maybe early 2000s comic books that were pretty beat up but that was it there was nothing there and i i told him i said man i said this flea market before it started there was a bargain port on on the lot it was a big it's this huge lot it was an old air it was an old small kind of like cessna airport lot well they built a bargain port and if people don't know what a bargain port is it was kind of like a um almost like a hardware store, department store mixture. It was, it was kind of small. It was mainly, I believe, in Ohio and Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if it was, you know, any other states. But it had closed down, and somebody had bought it, and they opened up the building into a flea market along with a few spaces outside. And then they eventually added on some indoor spaces. But I, I remember searching through the building when it was still the the original bargain port building, it had burnt down a few years back and they uh, rebuilt it a lot. Nice, large, you know, building. But I remember just searching through there for comic books, man, and finding some old Wolverine stuff from the, you know, the eighties and, and early nineties for, you know, anywhere from a dollar to $5, depending on, you know, what they, what kind of book it was. And man, I just said, man, $5, that was a, that was a huge amount of money for me, especially since I only had, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15, maybe $20 on me. So I would look for the bargain books, you know, 25 cents, 50 cents, you know, maybe a dollar if I, if I really liked the cover, but you know, I would search through there and you could find tons of people that had, that were selling books, you know, very, very cheap. And, you know, so I, I would pick those up. But I remember, you know, a few years back, you know, even like five, six, seven years ago, there was people there selling books, but they wanted an arm and a leg for a beat up book that had a ripped cover, water damage. And, you know, they, they seen the book was selling for 50 bucks on eBay so that they thought their book was $50. You know, it's comes down to people don't understand, you know, what condition means. So I it, it kind of like disheartened me a little bit. So I stopped really going there because it was just about people just trying to to make money and not really sell any kind of decent uh, items. Now, the other um, flea market that I used to go to that I was telling you that had a lot of that guy had a lot of books there. There was nobody there that had any books. And I, I checked over the years different times and there's never anybody there selling comic books, which I was, you know, really kind of disappointed with that too because it kind of seems like more people are throwing them on ebay or doing shows and everybody wants you know near mint prices for a book that's you know might be very good or fine so it's kind of getting harder and harder to find decent uh decent books from you know the silver age or even the bronze age i mean you're still going to pay you know a good amount of money for a, a golden age book and even some Silver Age books, but you know some of those those bargains they're they're t they're really tough to find anymore. Even at you know you go to a comic book show or something, everybody's they they want top price. There's no kind of bargaining, and it's you know it, it's really put a I, I don't know. It's kind of made me salty in the the collecting world. 
and I, I'll tell you that it, it doesn't just happen with with comic books. And I'll tell you a story about action figures because I'm a huge 1980s action figure collector. You know, GI Joe, He Man, you know, all that good stuff. So I always look for any type of new GI Joe or He Man toys that that come out. And over the years, they've done various lines that relate to you know usually the comic book or a movie that's out and around my area we have a lot of secondhand toy shops that that pop up and a lot of people that are in these so-called toy clubs where they go to shows and and sell what they have well what these people were doing is that they would make friends with people that worked at the you know toys r us or walmart or target they would tell them when these new toys would hit the the shelves these people would be the first ones there to get them, buy up the whole line of figures, and then try to sell them for, you know, double the price. So it got to the point where you wanted to collect some newer stuff, but you couldn't find it because of the this kind of, you know, I, I call it a scam that these people were, were pushing. So I got very kind of disheartened in, in collecting, you know, newer toys over the years. So I just started been looking for a lot of older stuff and it's one of my pet peeves when people do that you know they they really kind of ruin the world of of collecting for people you know I, could you imagine you know some little kid out there who wants to go find some gi joes or he-mans at the store and he can't find them because you know some some toy store owner or some guy in a club bought them all up so that he could sell them at, at double the price and make money you know i i think that's that's a very despicable it's, uh, uh, scam yeah I don't know why I keep getting this feedback today. One of the things that I'm going to tell you, like, for example, Joe, again, we talk about the Silver Age of comic books when I was mentioning the different ages. And when they say they call the Silver Age was a period of artistic advancement and widespread commercial success in the mainstream American comic books, predominantly those that feature superheroes archetypes. But he, here is the, the important thing that we have to say. When the Bronze Age came, Joe, just like you went to your store and you bought in the different stores, you got bargains. And that store you mentioned in uh, over in your area in Ohio, we had similars in, in New Jersey, similar stores. It might have been called uh, bar, Bargain Lot, I think there was one. And, and mostly you have, uh, probably for the last 40 years, you have in, in Giant Stadium. Uh, in the parking lot of the entire Giant Stadium, you have vendors, which is like a flea market. They call it the Meadowlands Flea Market. And in my area, you also have a huge flea market, which is called, um, oh, my God, I forgot the name of this one, Flea Market. That's it's um, It's been there for like 50-something years, and it's where they had the racetracks. In, um, well, I, I forget them. The point I'm trying to say is, that we have a lot of flea markets and you can get really good deals in comics, especially from vendors that do house cleaning and stuff. There was one particular guy that was selling Bronze Age comics at basically a dollar a piece. Of course, they weren't, you know, like uh, me growing up, when back in the 70s, you would go into every comic, not every comic, there was no comic book stores. Com comics were sold in, uh, if you had a comic book store, it would be like downtown New York where there was, a, I believe it was called um, the Starlog store, which I st is still in business today, I think. And uh, the, the funny thing about it, you would go in there, okay, those would be stores that were specialized and you paid a little bit more for comics there. You didn't get really bargain deals, but you would go to every candy store or supermarket and there was a section that had comic books. You could find them everywhere. And I think, again, the mail order part of it made comics very famous. So the Bronze Age not only caused, like I said earlier, uh, a surge in comic book buying, but it also caused a surge in, in mail order buying. And kids were growing up and they were, you know, you had the, the, the late 60s introduced Aurora model kits and the monsters and you had Lost in Space every day. You had um, I Dream of Genie on the television. You had all these shows 
and Star Trek that caused a lot of people to get involved in, in, in comic books and get involved in, in purchasing items um, that were monster-related, sci-fi-related. You had um, Famous Monsters of Filmland, which in Fangoria and Starlog magazine that were introduced into the public. I remember Starlog would go on television and they promised you that if you subscribe, you would get a full-fledged Robbie the Robot blueprint. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was so fun. So I actually wanted to subscribe, not for the Starlog. I wanted it to get the blueprint of Robbie the Robot. Um, you know, Lost in Space was on every single day after school. And you saw Will Robinson fighting, you know, the, the bad guys, the aliens with Dr. Zachary Smith. And you had the robot. So I was always looking forward to reading my comics before I went to bed. And in a sense, after you finish seeing your television show, the comic book now became a theater for you in your brain. And you got really into the comic book. You read it. And Richie Rich became alive. Casper became alive. And that's the part I gravitated to. I was the Casper Richie Rich fanatic. I liked the superheroes, but I, I used to like the Hulk. And I used to like, um, I didn't really check Iron Man or read Iron Man too much. I was more like Superman, Spider-Man, and the Hulk. Well, you know, I didn't even I didn't even collect or read DC comic books until, oh man, maybe about 2008. But I was always a, uh, always a Marvel guy, you know, make mine Marvel. Well, That's all I, all, all I bought was Marvel. And, well, and you know what, and Image Comics too, when Image, you know, hit the scene in the 90s, I, I bought every Image comic that I could too. Well, you know what's funny when you're saying that about Marvel? Yeah, a lot of people say, well, I do Marvel. I did a little both. I did DC and Marvel because obviously the Hulk is Marvel. And so was Spider-Man. Superman was DC with Batman. But let me tell you something, though. The thing I looked forward the most when I would buy a comic book in the 70s was to look at the ads to buy something, to send away for something inside the comic. Right. That's what made the comics really exciting. But then again, you also had another trend we didn't mention. Every serial company out there from Post, General Mills, would introduce things that had free gifts inside. So even though I didn't like cereal, I would go buy my cereal, stick my hand in it, get the toy, and then who cared about the box, you know? Oh, you know, it's funny you said that because I have a stack of uh, – remember when we did the video cast, I was showing those ads that I ripped out of comic books, and I I still have that stack next to me. And right on top here from a Marvel – it was called a Marvel 1979. I don't know which one it was. It looks like maybe Avengers – but right on top, it says, now there's Marvel superhero fun for everyone. And it's uh, it got Boo Berry, Trix, Count Chocula, Cocoa Puffs, Frankenberry, and Lucky Charms on it. And you could get a, uh, looks like some kind of Presto, Presto Magic Dry Transfer game inside uh, inside the block. Or no, you got to send in proof of purchase. Uh, well, with- some of them had the proof of purchase, which was a turnoff for me because I wanted the tour there and then. Right. I didn't want to send away. But here's the thing, though. Like I had said, the Silver Age of Comics, the early 60s, the 50s through the 60s, introduced the world into this brand new, you know, uh, superheroes, uh, you know, um, comic book characters. But what happened during the 80s, the 70s was just insane. It just blew up into everything from monster magazines to, and the exciting part about it, Joe, let me tell you something. Anytime you picked up a famous monsters of Filmland, let's be honest, how many people really cared about reading about the Frankenstein movie, even though we watched it and loved it, we wanted to get what was sold by the captain company in back of it. We wanted to send away for the life-size 10 foot balloon. We wanted to send away for the actual, astronaut costume that you could wear for 10 bucks you can get what it said a real astronaut spacesuit you can get for ten dollars you can get the monster in the box that was exciting and growing up when you were putting all these model kits together and stuff and gluing and then trying to paint your own dracula and frankenstein and then you're watching abbott and costello reruns 
on TV on a weekly basis on Sunday when it played each and every week. It really, really was an exciting era where I think, um, and, and then again, you had the introduction to which I also forgot to mention, not only cereal boxes with toys, you had Cracker Jack boxes, but you also had, you know what? The introduction to the video game. You had the early versions of Atari and Space Invaders and Asteroids. Let me tell you, it was phenomenal. It was a, a time that you always, even though you didn't have video games, you didn't have much television because, I mean, you had a lot of television, but if you were going to watch something, there was nothing to record it with. You either watched it when it was on or you didn't watch it at all. Right, when, yeah. When VHS came in, and of course they introduced this huge VHS boxes that were the size of a suitcase that you would put on top of your television. And of course, the first ones were Betamax, and and then you know you have VHS. But you know what? The cost of a plain VHS tape was twenty dollars. So you're talking nineteen eighties, early nineteen eighties, um, or late seventies. You know, who can really afford that? And in fact, to buy a movie was over hundred and fifty something dollars for a VHS tape. So what they did is they they started spawning all over the place. This video rental places from block that's the beginning of blockbuster video uh, where you would go and obviously rent videotapes and that took off until finally they became so cheap that you could just go to anywhere and you know you would buy them for like 10 20 30 dollars a film and right. then it went down to where finally we're like under five bucks but the whole thing is that the early stages of the 80s the bronx age of comic books I think it's the era that was the most exciting era that we've had in our modern times. I mean, if you were a, a young kid in America, what it offered you was one, the dreams of buying things be, that I call them bigger than life. Uh, you, Of course, comic books offer you things that at the end of the day, you got ripped off. But you know what? The excitement of being, or how, how can I say, it was not about getting ripped off. I know a lot of people, which is funny, a lot of people on social media will pretend that they remember, which half of the time they don't even know what they're talking about, what items they got. They'll make up a, an idea what the item was because they never really actually ordered one. They just wanted it and never got it and said, oh, yeah, I got ripped off. I got this. I got that. Like, for example, a lot of people say with the seven foot ghost, oh, I got a plastic, a balloon and a kite string. Well, first of all, you didn't get a kite string. You got a monofilament string, which is an invisible fishing line. And secondly, you know what? Let's be honest. If you looked at the ad and you imagined what it was going to be or what it was going to do, the imagine it, the, 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 say the period of imagination, the period that you were imagining from the moment you placed the order to the moment you received it was phenomenal. And that's what makes my type of monster kid. That's what makes my people, or when I'm saying my people, people my age that are collectors of novelties, of magic, of illusion, you know, whatever type of these tricks. Some people gravitated to magic tricks because there's always, you got to remember one thing, Joe, the market of the 70s, anything that deals with mail order dealt with three things, magic tricks, novelties like jokes and and stuff like that and also you know you had a part of it that was the industry of the sex industry which also uh, you know attacked and and uh, what's the word you use uh, attacked the, the older population and ripped them off as well yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying um they, they were predators basically out there that were making fortunes in mail order but just like they promised in comic books, bigger than life, for Pete's sakes, they, I remember there were some ads in, in some magazine. I'm talking about magazines like Startling Detective, Psychology Today, uh, magazines that were just regular magazines, the National Enquirer, where they would say, say, for example, you're going to get this blow up doll or something. And they put a real picture of a woman. And then in a small print in the bottom, it says uh, the advertisement is not like, you know, actually shown, whatever. But you know how many people were ripped off, both adult and kids? So a lot of adults say, well, I wouldn't have fallen for that bull. Yeah. They fell for it. <laughs> they fell for it. And I'm telling you, because you know how you can tell that people were falling for all this mail order stuff? Because 
the magazines were loaded page after page. The National Enquirer alone had over eight pages in the back of classifieds and stuff you can order for. Well, so I, I definitely have to say that my my favorite period of of reading comics is definitely golden and, and silver age and early bronze age, usually up to about like 1980, maybe 82, somewhere around there. But I, I do think I, you know, like you said that the seventies, man, they had some really cool advertisements. Uh, they, they, they were the best. And, and you know, you know, something awesome. like, for example, Joe, another thing I wanted to say, let's say, for example, let's say Kirk Damaris. Now Kirk Damaris wrote the book, mail order mysteries of which has, 80% of my stuff in there, right? Mail Order Mysteries, when that book was written, Kirk says in the beginning a good story. He puts a story about his life and his childhood. Now, how he started, and even Dave Harvestad from S.S. Adams, because you guys are all in the 40-year range. Uh, you're about 40, 42 years old. I think the three of you are about the same age. Um, you guys went to your great your grandparents' home, or you went to your uncle's home, or whatever, or your parents, and they had comic books. So you guys came in at a time when the the age of mail order had almost come to an end, which was the late 80s, early 80s. So now it's 1984, 85. You pick up a comic book from your parents or whatever, you read it, and inside you see uh, monster-sized monsters, whatever, the Frankenstein. And you're like, hey, mom, can I get this? Now your mom writes in and it says the company's out of business. So, yeah. You know, so you have this inner yearning to say, man, I just missed that era. But the, 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 you're, you're, you're wondering what the items were. So that's another segment of people. And I'm going to categorize this segment as you, Dave Harvest, I'd say, for example, and, and, uh, and, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> whoever else is out there, in whoever there. else is out there. I mean, and Kirk Demaris, I, yeah. for a second there, I, it threw me off. And what happens? You guys now turn around and start going nuts over this era that you were not part of, but you were yearning to be part of. And now a whole new segment of people arises from the 1970s, kind of like, how can you say, a leftover of my era? Yeah, you guys are yearning to have been a part of, but we're not. But now today, one is sharing that, and that's why you're here with me today doing this podcast because you are part of that group that wanted to be part of the era that you were not in. That's why Kirk Demaris wrote such a beautiful book in Mail Order Mysteries and The Life of the Party for S.S. Adams because he was yearning and was dying and became like he wanted those things he couldn't have as a kid. Right. I was the one that grew up in the area, had them, kept them. But you know what? It's the same. The idea I'm saying is that whoever says today, oh, you know, they were ripping us off. Listen, let's be honest. What made our era so great was being ripped off. What made <laughs> our area so great is the feeling of anticipating something that was not going to be what you dreamed was going to be. But you were anticipating anticipating to get this item that was just in your brain for weeks or who knows how many months you looked at the app before your parents even gave you the money. Right. Now, see, I, I, I kind of missed out on, on that stuff because when I was collecting comics, you know, I was just – at the time, I was still buying, you know, sports stuff. You had starting lineups. You had some different sports stuff because I, I was still heavily involved with sports, you know. I played baseball, football, basketball, hockey, martial arts. So I still had that connection to the sports memorabilia. But my my interest in comic books, you know, was, was starting to develop. So it was kind of like, you know, I, I would get sports stuff for maybe Christmas, birthday, Easter. But my own money I would spend on, you know, comic books and maybe some toys that were out, you know, that I seen, which there, there wasn't really too much aside from GI Joe and, and He-Man that I was, you know, looking to buy, but usually that stuff I would get from relatives and all that for holidays. So my interest was, you know, buying my own comic books and I, I never really got into it with, with the ads at that time. It was more for me of the, um, the artwork and the stories 
and the characters because now this was a whole new world that was introduced to me that had been going on for decades that I knew nothing about. So I, I was kind of like engulfed in it. And I wanted, you know, my favorite superheroes at the time was, was Captain America and Hulk. And I remember at a time, you know, buying Captain America books and then seeing at a flea market, the Avengers books. And I'm like, well, here's Captain America and a whole bunch of other superheroes in this book. So I'm going to buy the Avengers stuff because I still get my Captain America, but I, I get all these other superheroes as well. So then, you know, I got introduced to more characters, Iron Man, Daredevil, uh, the X-Men, which the X-Men I didn't really get into until maybe around the mid to late 90s. But for me, it was more about the artwork and the stories and all that. Now getting into the early and mid 90s when cartoons and video games were getting real big, you had a lot of cartoon superheroes that were coming out, a lot of video games you know, with superheroes. Now with all that, you had the toys as well. So I started getting into that a lot more, pushing aside the sports stuff to get more of this comic book stuff. Now, fast forward, you know, decades, you know, actually just a few years ago, I started, you know, when I go through the comics, now I start really looking at the advertisements. And that's kind of how I, you know, became interested in, interested in the mail order stuff is that I'm seeing all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, this would have been so cool to live in the 70s and i could have ordered this stuff i could have you know ordered these aurora monster models which even during the 90s i i I was able to to purchase a few uh monster models well you know got them for christmas or or whatever but those were really few and far between but i i now i look and i'm like how cool would it have been in the 60s and 70s you have all this these monster magazines you have all these uh really cool superhero uh, collectibles that were out and it, it was just it, it's such it seems like such that it would have been such a cool time to live through but you know I, I i do you know still love my my time in the 80s and 90s because that comes with its its own thing and anybody that's lived in you know that collect comic books in the 90s you know that might have been you know around my age you know teen years early 20s and all that would have been fans of um wizard magazine which was you know kind of like my go-to for any type of comic book news and i i used to get every one of those when they came out because you know we didn't have internet or anything and that was the only really news source for comics that i had and i remember going to uh uh maybe about a half mile from my house i'd ride my bike to the uh drugstore and i would pick up a few new comic books and you know look for the new wizard magazine and then i would go about a block over a little place that was called Miko Dairy, and he, it was just this real small candy store. They used to sell penny candies, so I would go in there, get a few, you know, a dollar's worth of of candy, and ride my bike home. And I would eat my my penny candy, read my Wizard magazine, and you know, read my new comic books. But you know, for that time, for me, it was just kind of like being um, entrenched in this this whole new world that i was i was just starting to discover you know i didn't even know anything about comic book shops even though i I believe there was you know one or two in the area but you know for me it was the flea markets garage sales or going to the the drugstore to to pick up my my books but now as i'm older and i look back i'm like man it would have been cool to live through the 70s and just say oh hey mom i want this you know this mail order novelty you know give me this and just just that whole area seems really cool. So I kind of envious of people that got to live well, through it. <laughs> look at it this way. What do you what think made they, uh, they they purchase, purchase, uh, purchase uh, uh, Adams. Adams. The reason he purchased Adams is because of the fact that he was, he had this yearning so bad for the company and the novelties. He went ahead and got it. He's your age. What do you think Kirk DeMaris wrote so many books about mail order? He's traveled the, the whole country, uh, you know, going like actually he had a whole tour of the uh, Fish Love Company or something. And he wrote it in his blog, the yearning of being in the, in the era that he didn't live in. But here's another thing you got to see also. Today we have so many comics that are out there right now that you get great bargains. The other day I went, the, the flea market I was mentioning before, I forgot the name, was the English Town Flea Market. It's been, I think, for almost close to 100 years in in South Jersey. 
you can go. I went to the Meadowlands flea market and I picked up a box of about 45 comics. And they were all uh, tales of, from the tomb. Uh, they were all like the EC comics. And let me tell you something. I got tell ones were um, the House of Secrets, Tales from the Tomb. The whole thing, I got it for 20 bucks. I told the guy, I'll give you 20 wow. bucks. And he goes, yeah. He gave me a fortune because a lot of those books are worth $20, $30 a piece. Oh, let, let me tell you this. The, the last time I was at the, the flea market, my one, it's called Four Seasons. It's uh, real close by the same city as me. It was about three years ago or so, maybe three, four years ago. And I went in there comic book hunting. And this really, this whole experience really just put me off for going to the flea market. And that's why I didn't go back for a few years is I, I went to this one lady who was, she had, she was selling random items and all that, but underneath a table, she had two cardboard boxes filled with gold key and Dell comic books. And they were maybe V maybe VG very good condition, but most of them were, were poor condition and I just wanted them to, I just wanted them to read, you know, I'm like, man, these are cool. There was Lone Ranger in there. There was some horror stuff, some dinosaur stuff, um, you know, all these cool ones. And I'm like, you know, they're, they're not worth anything because they're so beat up. Some of them had half a cover. I'm like, I just want to read them. And I looked at the prices and this lady wants 30, $40 a book. And there had been 50 books in each thing. And I, I asked the lady, I said, Hey, I said, are, are you willing to, sell these you know as a lot i said they they seem kind of high priced for what they are and she her words were she goes oh you must be a uh a comic dealer and i said no i said I, i'm a collector i said you know I, I usually collect you know decent stuff i said however you know this stuff's pretty beat up condition i said i just want to read it i said the, you know these dell and gold key books she goes i said they're they're really good stories in my opinion and she goes, no, I, I know what I have there. She goes, the prices are what they are marked on, on the books. And, you know, she was real kind of, you know, I guess, you know, shitty with me kind of. And I, I just walked away. I said, that, that's ridiculous. So I, I was walking around and there was another stand. The guy had just some random stuff. And I seen these two image comics that he had bagged and boarded up on one of his top shelves. Now, these were image comics from... God, maybe 93, 94. They were number ones. Those, those Im image comic books from that time, they're they're a dollar at the most. That you know, I, I usually find those for you know three, four dollar, twenty-five cents each, maybe fifty cents. You know, they, they just flooded the market at that time, and those books aren't aren't worth anything. Most most places will you go to comic shops, they're trying to give that stuff away to make room for you know better stuff. So I asked the guy, I said, Hey, I said, um, can I check out those two books up there? I said, you know, you know, I might be, I'm kind of interested in them because I had never seen them. They were, they were kind of nice. I really liked the image artwork at that time. And I said, Hey, I said, what do you got on these books? I'm thinking, you know, a dollar a book. He had $20 on one 25 on the other. I said, look, I said, I, I, you know, I said, I'm a collector. I said, these books have said maybe worth a dollar, maybe two at the most. And he goes, no, he goes, they're on eBay for, for 20 bucks. I've seen them on there and that's the price they are. And I said, okay, here, you know, here you go. And I left and I was, I was really kind of discouraged and all that and walking around some more. And I went to the outside portion. Another guy was selling, he had a whole bunch of long boxes of comic books, nothing bagged and boarded. These things were beat up and he had them for outrageous prices, near mint prices on all the books. And I said, hey, I said, you know, some of these books are, they're bad condition. I said, these prices are kind of high and all that. And he's trying to argue with me that this is what they sell for on eBay. And and I, I, I know what they sell for. I, I was, I was part owner of a comic book shop before I've been involved with comics for, you know, over 30 years. I, I know what the prices of stuff are. And there's three things that determine the price condition, condition, condition. And these books were so beat up, water damage. I said, you know, there's a few in here that I would like to, you know, just read, you know, kind of the cool stories. And he wanted top dollar for him. And I, I left, I, you know, I said, I, I'm disgusted with this place. I, I, I left and I hadn't been back. But I talked to a few other people that are collectors like myself and go to different uh, shows, different um, 
flea markets, garage sales, and they, they tell me the same thing, that people go on eBay and they see a book listed for $100, and that's what they price to that, not knowing what condition means or a graded comic or anything like that. So they're selling a comic book that's a dollar in a fair condition for a hundred dollars thinking that that's what they're going to get for it. And I, I really became discouraged with that and even going to garage sales anymore, you know, people are, are the same way. So I, I kind of, it really got me out of, you know, going to those places looking for comics. And I, I tried today and, you know, unfortunately there was nothing there. You, you, you know, you know Joe, Joe, here's the thing that you want to tell you, for example, in my, in my area, area, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of flea markets there's a lot of bargain things. There's a lot of, uh, you know, yard sales. So you're going to get bargains because the here's the problem. People, they want to charge a lot and then they go five, six, seven weeks and nobody buys anything from them. They realize, you know what? It, it's not going to sell. Just like an eBay, I can ask for a million dollars for something. Doesn't mean somebody's going to pay it. Now, three years ago, people were under the impression this is something that was going on for some time. They would take, a, like a good example, a bunch of people took a bunch of VHS from Disney, for example, the original Little Mermaid and all that stuff. They would put it on eBay and then somebody bid on it. Didn't mean that they paid for it, but then automatically it was going on AOL. Uh, uh, this thing sold for $1,000. And then a bunch of people were selling VHS tapes that were worth no more than a dollar maybe for like 50, 100 bucks, you know? I've, I've probably got 60 disney vhs tapes that i can't even give away exactly and and that's the point but one thing i also wanted to bring to your attention when we're talking about comic books and stuff is the same thing comic books like this bargain that i got this guy's there every single week he's selling comics but apparently this time he's like you know what i'm tired of carrying all these boxes so he gave me a great bargain you will find them but one other thing i wanted to tell you when you say about the era that you did mention oh it was so cool to live in the bronze era well, here's the thing. The thing that made the era cool, yeah, you were able to buy a lot of the items in comic books from novelties to whatever you sent away for. But the problem is nobody had the money to buy it. Right, so, yeah. So here's the thing. You lived the era like I did, but how many times did you have the money to send away for something? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, I, I look back at, at the you know, the eighties and nineties when there was so many things that I wanted and, and didn't have the money for it. And luckily now I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to have that opportunity once in a while to, and you can't find to, it. <laughs> to find that stuff and purchase it. And, and you know, most of the stuff I can find, you know, if I go to secondhand stores, I, I got a few buddies that always, you know, look out for me and let me know if they, they find anything. And, and it's getting harder and harder because everybody wants an arm and a leg for stuff anymore. That's, you know, not even really, worth what it, what they're trying to get yeah. for it. but but, you know, but that's it, a, it's a little bit easier nowadays it, with ebay craigslist and everything else it is it is but you know what joe here's the thing and you better get a drink because i'm about to mention it why do you think i don't have the monster rover plants today take because, a drink <laughs> yeah take a drink because i didn't have the money to buy the two of them so i had an option send for one or the other and i sent for the other so that's basically it. So at the same time, when I did get the money, you know, I, it was a little bit too late to send away for it because it was several years later when I realized it. But but you know what, though? One thing about comic books that I'm going to tell you, and especially in 2000, and this is like I'm already married, whatever, you know, kids are born. I was introduced to a comic that I had seen earlier in my life, but I never really got into or read it. And that was, well, you know, it was by one of the Mad Magazine's uh, writers or artists, which was Sergio Aragonis. He had a version of a, of a comic book uh, character, which is kind of like a Conan the Barbarian. It's a goof off of Conan the Barbarian called Gru. Gru, yeah. Gru is a cool My, comic book, man. Let me tell you, I got so bad into Gru that I wound up going out there and trying to buy every issue ever printed of Gru. I have the entire run of it. <laughs> you do. You really? Yep. And okay. you know what? I, I paid when I bought the entire run, I paid about a buck a book. Okay. You got the entire run. Did you get the Marvel, the image? Because you know they had several runs. I believe it's just the Marvel run. Okay. So you're missing the image run. You're missing the 
I have all the runs because <laughs> I went nuts for that com- those comics. And let me tell you, it's hilarious. I think it's one of the most phenomenal comics I ever read. I, I have no idea how in the world Sergio Aragonis even thinks of those things. But the the comic book is hilarious. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, it's it's a great one. If any, anybody out there is able to find them or trade paperback, man, definitely read it because it, it is a great, great comic book, man. Very lighthearted and easy to read. The artwork is, you know, I, I always loved his artwork. So to me, you, you know, know it, it's tops. Well, you know what? He was very famous when he uh, when he did the Mad Comics. Uh, he usually did the ones that had no wording that you just figure you look at the cartoons and you, they tell a story by themselves. Yeah. And um, w- one thing about Sarah Ragona that makes me laugh, especially with Gru, is that Gru is totally like in the first generation of Gru, he doesn't even know how to read and write, you know? <laughs> so everything he does or whatever, he's the, the biggest killer. No one can defeat him. And the dog is his dog is the only one that likes him, you know? And uh, so I love the comic. But when you look at some of the early comics from the 70s, they have some phenomenal ads in them as well. And and like I said, you know, the reason I love so much the Bronze Age is because even today, all I do is a lot of times when I'm off, instead of like watching TV and stuff, sometimes I just go and open a box of time. And I say time because it's a box I haven't opened in 20 years. And when I open it up, I start finding all these toys from the 1970s. The other day, I found in a box my collection of, um, I, I believe it was honeycombs or post Cheerios. I forgot what it was, but they, they sold. And inside each of the boxes in this year of the 70s, there was a magic trick. And there was one particular magic trick that was about the size of a bottle cap. And it had two pieces that when you squeeze it together, a rabbit would appear inside, you know, like the image of a rabbit. Yeah. And I really wanted that as a kid. Well, I found my original and I'm like, wow, man, <laughs> this is cool. And, and you know what's so cool? It's so cool to, to, you know, immerse yourself into a collection of stuff from the 70s. Open them up. Look at it. A good example. I had Dr. Fab call, Saab call me today and we were talking for a good two hours on the phone on the way from Boston that I was coming home. And the two hours we were talking on, we were going over all the mail order stuff of the 70s. Because, uh, of course, what happened to me is when I got married and it's kind of like, you know, you, you're up to the age of about 13. You're a total kid and you love everything stuff between 13 and probably 18 you're out or oh, you want to meet girls you want to go out this and you just want to party and then of course you get married like i did at an early age and you want to go back to be a kid again you know <laughs> so when i started getting involved in the early days of mail order with me like in 1984 1985 i gotta tell you man i took this like i had a fever for it and i started approaching every company that sold mail order in the 70s. I started going back in my collection and seeing the stuff that I did buy. The stuff that I didn't buy, I went on, there was a a famous book called Toy Shop. And I would spend hours looking for those things and acquiring the items I didn't have as a kid that I wanted because as a kid, not every time my mom gave me uh, the money. In fact, I remember when I passed by a candy store, I couldn't believe they had the Joy Buzzer. I was going nuts, bro. It was 50 cents. Well, I, well, I tell you what, what I've been getting into a lot now, now too, is because we got about a, a minute and a half here left is uh, I've, I've been, you know, for people out there, don't discount all those, you know, those 50s, 60s and 70s gold key and um, Dell comic books, even the uh, the cartoonish ones, you know, Mickey Mouse and all that, the Disney ones, because they're great artwork and you know, great reads. I, I've been picking a lot more of those up and, and reading those and really getting into those. But we got about a minute left here. So I want to thank everybody for, for joining us in this conversation here. It's, it's been great. I always love talking about comic books. And, you know, we definitely are going to have to do another part with this and, you know, maybe get some other guests on here, some collectors. So if you're a collector out there of comic books or you got some great stories, 
you know, give us a ring on the uh, the website under the podcast chat and, uh, you know, maybe tell us some of your stories or let us know if you want to be a guest on here and talk about your uh, past experiences collecting uh, comic books or even some current experiences, you know, with the the comic book industry. So, uh, Eddie, thanks for joining us again. And, Great and you conversation, know, man. One thing I want to say to those people that are too embarrassed because they say, man, I'm old now. Listen, Dr. Saab is 64. Todd is 60. I'm 58. And you guys are 40s, and we're kids at heart, and we get to be a kid again when you come to the House of the Unusual. Absolutely. So that's our time for this week. So thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Later. Take care, and God bless, brother. Bye.